The New York Rangers still figure to be active in the trade market between now and next Friday's deadline. Today, we're going to be taking a look at a couple of depth options for the blue shirts, specifically Nick Bugstad, as well as Tanner Janot. There are a couple of names that you hear from time to time as it pertains to, you know, trade rumors in general and also players that the Rangers uh, might have some interest in. Also going to acknowledge the fact that there is still a chance, yes, that the Rangers could acquire Patrick Kane. So we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. And we're also going to uh, share my... Uh, interview that I did on Locked On NHL with Gil Martin. We talked a little bit about uh, really everything having to do with the Rangers, but most specifically, uh, I feel like we spoke the Tyler Mott trade into existence, and you'll see what I mean in just a little bit. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 777 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And we'll start with Patrick Kane. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on Kane here today because uh, we've done quite a few... I mean, we've done a lot of trade-centric episodes in general and, and quite a few that focus in on Patrick Kane. But, you know, maybe sometime next week, uh, as we approach the trade deadline, we'll, we'll throw out one more, you know, Patrick Kane, uh, you know, centric episode uh, as we approach the trade deadline and uh, talk about if the Rangers can pull off the impossible and really make this thing happen. You know, I'm aware that uh, Kane, it certainly sounds like he wants to go to the Rangers. And if you get a, a three-team trade going, it's possible that there could be enough salary retention from the other two teams that the Rangers could find a way uh, to squeeze Patrick Kane in there. But like I said, we'll get to that in a future episode. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't intrigued and uh, very, very curious to see how this whole thing plays out. And we're going to know for sure uh, in no more than eight days because we are just eight days away from the NHL trade deadline. But, you know, recently we did an episode where we took a look at three different trade targets for the New York Rangers or potential trade targets. Uh, they were Tyler Mott, Max Domi, and Nick Ritchie. And since that happened, the Rangers, of course, acquired Tyler Mott. I wanted to do kind of the same thing here today. We got two more trade targets that I want to look at today, and they are, once again, Nick Bugstad and Tanner Janot. And, you know, I, I should also mention before we dive into that, as it pertains to Domi and Ritchie, I'd say either is still a possibility for the Rangers. It's at least, you know, conceivable that it could happen. I would I would think Domi maybe a little bit more realistic uh, just because he plays center. And I think that's what the Rangers are really going to be looking at. You know, Ritchie, he only plays left wing. Max Domi plays left wing as well, but he can also play center. So, uh, yeah, those two are both still options. But wanted to look at a couple of other targets that have kind of had their names being kicked around. And once again, we will start... Today's episode by looking at 30-year-old center and right winger, and that would be Nick Bugstad, actually uh, Nick Ritchie's teammate because he's he's down there with the Arizona Coyotes as well. Got to figure the Coyotes are open for business. I mean, they haven't really gone anywhere this year, and they're quite a ways away uh, from the last playoff spot, well over uh, double-digit points. So got to figure they'll look to continue stockpiling draft picks, and they'd be ready to make a deal if one presented itself. But uh, Bugstad, you know, big guy, basically a tree on skates, six foot six, 209 pounds. Uh, he was actually a former first round pick by the Florida Panthers all the way back in 2010. Went number 19 overall. 
and, you know, hasn't ever really been a superstar, but uh, has been a solid player in this league and has had a, a lengthy career for himself. Played for the Panthers, Penguins, Wild, and now uh, this ongoing season with the Arizona Coyotes. And just to just run through his stats real quick, uh, 11 seasons, 598 games, 123 goals, 137 assists, so 260 points. He's also a minus 30. Uh, has averaged 14 minutes and 43 seconds of ice time, has a 48.9% success rate on the face-off circle. Also, 946 hits, 254 takeaways, and 242 giveaways. And this season with the Coyotes, we'll kind of hone in there and, and see how he's doing so far this year. Like I said, his first uh, with, with Arizona. 58 games, 13 goals, 10 assists. So he's got 23 points. He's also a plus seven. And yes, I feel like every time I mention plus minus, I also have to throw out that caveat that it is not a perfect stat. Uh, I think it's kind of a stat that went from probably being overhyped to now maybe a little bit underhyped. I, I still think it has its place. But bottom line, if you're a plus on the Coyotes right now, then you got to be doing something right and you got to be uh, playing some pretty good hockey. And uh, he is a plus seven with the Arizona Coyotes right now, despite the fact that you know they're one of the weaker teams in the league. Uh, he's also averaging a career high 16 minutes and 58 seconds of ice time, 47.3%. Uh, Success rate on the faceoff circle and 118 hits. His ice time would certainly decrease with the Rangers because he's not going to be in the top six. Uh, but I also want to look into, you know, does he play on special teams and uh, what role does he currently have with the Coyotes? Want to look into that a little bit deeper. He is currently centering Arizona's second line, which again, he's not going to do that with the Rangers. There's almost no way possible, you know, barring injuries and obviously knock on wood there. Um, but he's centering their second line, playing on their top power play unit, and he's. Again, I don't see any way possible that he plays really on either power play unit with the Rangers, but something that he could very well do for the Rangers is help kill penalties. Uh, he is currently listed on Arizona's second penalty kill unit, and I think he would certainly enter the Ranger rotation there. I mean, there's other guys they'd probably go to first. You know, obviously Mika and Kreider, they start a lot, a lot of the penalty kills. And, uh, you know, Tyler Mott is back and, you know, a bunch of other guys as well. Barclay Goodrow is going to be out there. Um, but I would imagine that, uh, you know, if the Rangers were to pick up somebody like Bugstad, that's an area where he could help the Rangers. Uh, it's something that was a strength of the team last year. And they've been a little bit better than average this year. But for the personnel that the Rangers have, I mean, you start with the goalie, but you work your way to some of these defensemen and some of the penalty killers that they have. And you would imagine that the Rangers would be better than just, you know, barely above average. And uh, maybe Bugstad uh, could help the Rangers in that department as well. Uh, as far as faceoffs, Rangers currently 21st in the NHL at 48.4%. So they've improved there, but, um, you know, obviously not yet ideal. Janot, uh 47.3% this year, 48.9% for his career. So he's a below average faceoff guy, but it's not like it's a dreadful percentage. And uh, hopefully he could at least uh, win, win you a couple draws and hopefully do so in some important spots, uh, you know, down the stretch here and uh, right into the Stanley Cup playoffs. As far as his salary is concerned, uh, this offseason, Bugstad signed a one-year deal worth 900 k with the Arizona Coyotes. So the Rangers can definitely afford Bugstad. Uh, I would imagine... If the Rangers were to pick him up, he'd probably walk in free agency after the season ends. But if he was willing to take a very team-friendly deal for probably no more than six figures at the absolute most, and honestly, 900K, 950K, that might be more than the Rangers want to spend on him. It doesn't sound like much, but again, every penny is precious for this team right now. So, yeah, uh, it, it's 
more likely than not that if the Rangers trade for him, he'd probably walk in free agency. But uh, you never you never know for sure. And obviously, we would just have to uh, keep our eyes on that and cross that bridge when we get to it. But I think Bukestad is somebody that could make some sense. You know, like I said, a little bit of position versati- versatility. He can center the fourth line. I think clearly he's an upgrade on Jake LeCision. Not to keep picking on LeCision, but... You know, anybody that the Rangers bring in via a trade, very, very good chance that LeCision's going to be the odd man out. So that's why his name uh, continues to pop up, you know, pretty much every time we do this right now. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think the asking price would be reasonable. I'd imagine you could get him for like a third, fourth, fifth round pick. I'd say maybe like a fourth round pick for Bugstad. I mean, third's too high. He just, his upside just isn't high enough to warrant a third round pick, I don't think. But maybe a fourth or fifth rounder could get the job done. And, um, you know, if, if that was, if the Rangers aren't able to get Kane, and they're not able to get any of the other guys that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, then I'm good with Bugstad. I I think he would uh, improve the team. Uh, Is he a player that's going to make or break your entire season? Probably not, but it is important to have depth in the playoffs. We know that. And I saw a couple of people posting about uh, some of the fourth lines and the bottom six players that the Rangers had uh, back in um, the year that they went to the Stanley Cup final. And one year, it was Boyle and Dominic Moore and Derek Dorsett. And that, that, that was a really good fourth line for the Rangers. They did a lot of good things, and uh, there wasn't any weak link on that team, including the fourth line. Dominic Moore, uh, the one year scoring the goal against Montreal to put the Rangers into the Stanley Cup final. Brian Boyle had a huge goal against Pittsburgh in Game 7 on the road, and Dorsett did his job too. And, you know, those guys all, all got it done and showed the importance of uh, needing some depth, uh, especially come Stanley Cup playoff time. But we're going to keep everything rolling in just a second here. Uh, got to talk about Tanner Janot. Uh, I know there's a lot of people who are kind of fans of him, and it seems, you know, certainly possible that uh, he may be on the move here in due time, whether it's the Rangers that trade for him or not. Uh, We'll talk about him in just a second. First, though, got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, we just want to thank everybody, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day, we are free and available on all platforms. And yeah, I just want to go ahead and keep everything rolling here. Talk a little about Tanner Janot, 25-year-old uh, for the Nashville Predators. He can play left wing and right wing, doesn't play center, which is a little bit of a drawback because, you know, I think at this point, the Rangers already got their depth winner. <laughs> depth winner. Depth. Well, you know what? He is a depth winner too. But they also got their depth winger in uh, Tyler Mott. They brought him in. And I think at this point, they're probably going to be more interested in a center than a winger. But I also would not rule out the possibility of them, you know, maybe adding one more, you know, depth winger, especially once again, if they miss out on Patrick Kane or, you know, just can't figure out a way to make that deal work. Uh, but Tanner Janot, I'm going to at least throw him out there, despite the fact that he really does not play center. 
Um, you know, I, I think as far as how he would fit in, you'd probably see Janot out there with uh, probably Barclay Goodrow could be on the fourth line and maybe a uh, newly recalled Johnny Brodzinski. Because again, one way or another, whether they add another center or whatever happens, I do think Jake LeCision is eventually going to get squeezed out of this lineup. I just think he's on borrowed time. And whoever the Rangers add, superstar player, so-so player, depth player, whoever it might be, I think LeCision's going to be the guy that ends up getting squeezed out. Uh, in this scenario, the one that I just laid out, Jimmy Vesey would still be probably in the top six. And I know, you know, certain fans have their reservations about that. I do to an extent. I think he can handle himself there. But, you know, I, I do think of Jimmy Vesey as more of a bottom six guy than a top six guy. But um, he's done all right for himself up there. You know, he holds his own. Uh, but as far as you know, um, you know, not somebody that's a superstar. He's just getting started, still young, third year of his career right now, um, was undrafted and has done a heck of a lot more than most undrafted players do in this league already. Um, he's played all three seasons with the Predators, 151 games, 34 goals, 28 assists, 62 points. He's also a plus eight, has averaged 15 minutes and 17 seconds of ice time for his career, 122 block shots, 583 hits. So, he averages, doing some quick math here, always a dangerous proposition on this show, but uh, that's about three and a half hits per game, you know, give or take. I think it's actually a little bit more than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this guy's ready, willing, and able to go out there and uh, throw his weight around, that is for sure. And uh, that stuff can always play up come Stanley Cup playoff time. We know it's a battle out there, and at times it's a little bit of a war of attrition. So uh, having another player on your team, though not a superstar, somebody who can uh, dish out some punishing hits and play physical, um, that obviously bodes well. And again, it plays big in the playoffs. I think probably even more so in the playoffs uh, than in the regular season because it just gets so physical uh, come Stanley Cup playoff time. But also, uh, 55 takeaways against 59 giveaways. He, for what it's worth, finished 7th in the uh, Calder last year. Uh, and as for this series, slowed down a little bit from his uh, mini breakout last year, at least in terms of the scoring. Uh, last year, he had 41 points in 81 games. This year, just 14 points in 55 games. He's got five goals and nine assists to be exact this year. He's an even plus minus, uh, averaging 15.06 of ice time, 51 hits, and uh, 200, or no, excuse me, 51 block shots, 212 hits. So as far as what he brings to the table, you know, you, you could tell from the hit total right there that he's known for his physicality and big guy throws his weight around, seems to embrace uh, that kind of a role. And uh, again, that stuff really plays up come Stanley Cup playoff time. He's also had a small taste of the playoffs. I mean, he's just three years into his career, but the Preds made the playoffs in each of the preceding two seasons, uh, nine games for uh, Janot, two assists in that time. But uh, yeah, physicality, toughness, possible you get a little bit of offense as well. I mean, Janot is still something of an unknown commodity because, again, he was undrafted. It's not like he had scouts following him around everywhere he went. Got a chance with the Predators, you know, the, the one year. And then last year, you know, the second season that he saw game action, but it was technically his rookie season, you know, seventh in the Calder and uh, 41 points in 81 games. And this year, like I said, the scoring has slowed down a little bit, but, you know, it's possible it's still in there. You know, it, it can still be unlocked. And if he does that, that's just a bonus because, you know, his MO once again is going to be the toughness, is going to be the physicality. Something else that's kind of interesting about Jano is that he's an RFA with arbitration rights, currently making 800K per season. So that being the case, I mean, that's another hurdle here is that the Predators might not exactly be, you know, falling all over themselves to try to trade this guy. They might see him as somebody that they can build around and somebody that they can have for, 
you know, relatively inexpensive. Not that they see him as like, you know, the future franchise icon or anything like that, but a nice complimentary player and somebody that can uh, round out the bottom six, uh, you know, fairly, fairly well. And another thing that I think complicates this a little bit, because I know a lot of people really like Janot, but uh, the Predators are still in the playoff race. You know, they're on the outside looking in right now. They're seven points behind the Wild, who have the final wild card spot as of now. And they also have two games in hand. So they're still within striking distance. And I don't know. I mean, if I was them, I might want to hang on to him uh, both for this year and also for future years as well, if you can get a new deal done with him and, uh, you know, take advantage of the fact that you found somebody that was undrafted, something of a hidden gem, and, um, you know, have him be part of your franchise moving forward. Uh, Janot currently listed on the Predators' third line on the right wing. He's not listed at all on the power play and uh, is listed on the Predators' top PK unit. And as we mentioned just a minute ago with Bugstad, I think uh, you'd probably see uh, Janot, you know, mix in there a little bit on the PK. I don't think he's the first guy that they would go to, but he would eventually get some time uh, while the Rangers are shorthanded. And you really need a, a big-time penalty kill come Stanley Cup playoff time. If your PK is having all kinds of issues, you're probably going home pretty fast. But anyway... I want to keep everything moving in just a second. In just a minute, I'm going to play the interview that I did with Gil Martin. Gil does an awesome job hosting uh, both Locked On Islanders and Locked On NHL. We've done a bunch of crossovers uh, with Gil in the past when the Rangers are playing the Islanders. And, uh, you know, I, I appear on Locked On NHL with him from time to time. It's only about 10 minutes or so, probably a little bit less than that. But I just had to share this with you guys because I haven't posted it on the YouTube channel yet. And it feels like we kind of spoke the Tyler Mott trade into existence. And you're going to see what I mean uh, in just a second here. The New York Rangers are red hot, and they've been playing well since the trade for Vladimir Tarasenko. John Chick of Locked On New York Rangers joins us to talk about the Rangers, whether they'll make another move at the trade deadline, and their prospects as we head down the stretch. You're Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On New York Rangers, John Chick. And John, I'll tell you, it's been a very, very exciting couple of weeks for the Rangers. Uh, their point streak continues with a nice little comeback to force overtime last night in Calgary. You had the Vladimir Tarasenko trade. Let's start with that. It's five games in now. How has Vladimir Tarasenko fit in with the New York Rangers? Yeah, so far, so good. I mean, they've mostly had him, you know, on the top line. Uh, they started initially by super stacking that top line, going uh, Panarin and then Mika and then Tarasenko from left to right. Uh, they quickly made an adjustment, moved Kreider back up there, moved Panarin down. But uh, Tarasenko, you know, both from an on-ice standpoint and also uh, just watching him interact with his teammates, it looks like so far, so good. He's fitting right in. I don't know if you had a chance to catch the uh, first game of the 
Tarasenko era Gil, but he actually scored a goal on his uh, second shift. You know, Panarin with a nice feed and uh, or, uh, Tarasenko with a little tip-in goal. And then also got one uh, in the game against Calgary last night. Of course, the Rangers were down 2 nothing into that game and, uh, you know, came back and uh, tied it, forced it into overtime. They lost, but they at least got a point there. But, yeah, so far so good. I mean, I think it's something that the Rangers really needed. Uh, you know, going into the trade deadline, I've done a couple of trade-centric episodes. And, you know, I did one episode where, what I'll do sometimes is I'll look at three different candidates that the Rangers could trade for. And I'd covered Tarasenko in the past. And one of the biggest reasons for me is just positional need, because before the Rangers traded for Tarasenko, you, know, you look at their depth chart, top to bottom, left to right, backwards, forwards, everything. It's pretty clear that the biggest weakness, at least for me, is right wing. And I even made the point at the time, if the Rangers bring in two players uh, you know, before the deadline, you could make the case that both should be right wingers. I mean, that that's kind of the discrepancy you get between right wing and all the other positions. And they got their guy. You know, Vladimir Tarasenko is a big time right winger in this league, uh, former Stanley Cup champion, somebody that can go out there and play with anybody and, uh, you know, a playoff performer as well. And, and a sniper, you know, that that's something that they need as well. There's a lot of pass first guys on this Ranger team, which is nice. But, you know, I've talked about this on my show. There's times you almost wish they would be just a little bit more selfish. And, you know, Tarasenko's, he's not going to hesitate to shoot the puck. That's for sure. And uh, I'm glad we got him. I thought that was an excellent trade for the Rangers. Talk to me about the ripple effect that Tarasenko's addition to the lineup has on this overall team. Yeah, I mean, I think it first and foremost just kind of makes the entire team a little bit deeper. You know, I mentioned the right wing situation a second ago. Besides Kako, I mean, there's not really anyone you can go to. Kravtsov has struggled, and he wants to be traded again. And, you know, there's times this season where guys like uh, Barclay Goodrow and Jimmy Vesey have played the right wing in the top six. And that's all well and good. You know, they're capable players, but I don't see either one of them as, like, bonafide, true, uh, you know, top six right wing type players. And, you know, a lot of times what the Rangers have been doing is they've been keeping the kid line together, you know, Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kako. And usually when that line is together, that's the third line. And so then, you know, you've got those two holes uh, as far as your top six at right wing is concerned. And Vladimir Tarasenko obviously fills one of those spots. And uh, so far, so good. You know, he, he's done a great job. And uh, like I said, just really lengthens the lineup. And I'm going to be curious to see uh, if there are any other moves uh, before the trade deadline. I, I don't think it'll be quite as splashy of a pickup as Tarasenko, but I get the feeling maybe a depth forward uh, could be on the way for the Rangers. The Rangers go 3-0-1 on their road trip, beating Carolina, beating Edmonton. Talk to me about that dramatic comeback win against Edmonton, because that was one of the most exciting games I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I mean, they basically uh, flipped the script on the Oilers from earlier this season, because what I would say was probably the worst loss of the Rangers season is there was a game in Madison Square Garden, and Rangers were up 3 nothing going into the third period. Everything's cool. You know, they're, they're cruising along. They look like they're going to get two points. They give four goals in the third period and they lose. And uh, they kind of paid them back for that in this one because they were down three, nothing. They were down four, one, and uh, they came back and got it done. But just a really nice uh, character win. And I said this in an episode that I'm going to be posting a little bit later today here on Sunday. Um, I didn't feel like even though they were down four, one at the end of the first, I didn't feel like all hope was lost in that game because a lot of the oiler goals were a case of the Rangers kind of shooting themselves in the foot just a little bit. You know, a couple of soft goals that Igor let in and a couple instances where they just didn't clear the front of the net. And, you know, Edmonton, not the best defensive team. The Rangers have some uh, star players that are hot. So I just felt like they could get back into it. And it was great because uh, between periods there, the first and second period, uh, Glenn goes in there and he tells his players down 4-1, he goes, we're not losing this game. So uh, I thought that's awesome. And you just love to hear stories like that, you know, coming out of the locker room and uh, him just kind of galvanizing the team. And uh, another thing that kind of went under the radar there, his decision to not pull Igor Shosturkin, despite 
Igor being up against it a little bit recently, you know, at least by his own lofty standards. And, um, you know, obviously struggling in that game, giving up four goals in the first period. And from then on, he doesn't give up anything. And even in the shootout, uh, Edmonton went just one for six because it went six rounds. So, uh, yeah, just great stuff all around, man. Just, just a character win and uh, one of those victories that makes it fun to be a fan of the New York Rangers, for sure. Talk to me a little bit more about Shesterkin. The numbers aren't at the elite level that they were a year ago. How much of that is on him? How much of it is on the way the team is playing defense in front of him? Yeah, I mean, certainly, uh, like in a lot of situations like this, it's it's a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B, right? But, um, you know, overall, I think he's going to be fine. You know, he went through a little bit of a skid early in the season when pretty much the entire team was slumping. Uh, he got it together and played some excellent hockey not too long after that. And, you know, again, a little bit of a downturn recently, but, you know, somebody, uh, and I forget who, who this was, but somebody on one of my YouTube videos left the comment, like, you know, I'd rather Igor go through a little bit of a slump in February than, you know, in April or, you know, any, any time in the playoffs, basically. So I'm kind of of that same mindset. Um, and I think it's just kind of a reminder that he's human, no matter who you are as a goalie in this league, you're going to go through a funk sooner or later. I mean, it happens to the greatest goalies that have ever played this game. I think that's what we're seeing with Igor right now. And um, like I said, even that game against Edmonton, the last two periods, the overtime, the shootout, just seeing that and, you know, seeing him make a couple of nice saves against McDavid, that's all I needed to see. I get the feeling that the next time we see him, he's going to be uh, right back to the Igor Shesterkin that Ranger fans are all very accustomed to watching uh, play between the pipes for this team. Last question for you. Uh, you mentioned the possibility of picking up another depth forward at the trade deadline. Any particular targets you have in mind and who might they give up or what might they give up in exchange? Yeah, I did uh, an episode on this not too long ago. And uh, as far as what the Rangers would give up, I mean, it depends on who you're bringing back. But if you bring in a bottom six type forward, a fourth line type forward, which I think is what the Rangers will do, then I think you should probably be able to pull that off for maybe like a third round draft pick. I mean, it depends who it is and, uh, you know, how much interest there is in that player, how much they have to outbid other teams that are interested but I actually did an episode, uh, you know, last week. Uh, at the top of my list is the same guy they traded for last season, and that would be Tyler Mott. I, I thought he did an excellent job for this Ranger team. He only played nine regular season games before he got hurt. Uh, came back for game six against the Penguins in the playoffs and really made an impact. I mean, he's a buzzsaw. He's just a complete pain in the butt to play against. He he's just in your face the entire time. He hits. Uh, just plays his heart out, man. And he doesn't score that often, but you always feel like he's kind of close, if that makes sense. Like, it always feels like, he's like this close to scoring like a really important goal for your team. So uh, Tyler Mott is uh, at the top of my list, but I'll also do an honorable mention to the two players that I discussed in that episode, which would also be uh, Nick Ritchie, you know, big body player. I think he'd be a good fit on the fourth line. And Max Domi could give you some uh, secondary scoring as well. So I'll, I'll throw those two out there as well. All right, John, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, so I mean, the podcast, you can find that anywhere you're watching or listening to Lockdown NHL here. We're on that same audio platform. We're on YouTube, pretty much any audio platform. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at jchick17. And uh, the podcast is also on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. So uh, definitely come give us a watch, give us a listen, give us a follow, do whatever you got to do. And yeah, good times. <laughs> All right, John Chick, always a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us today. All right, thanks, Gil. Really appreciate it, man. All right, so that'll pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, thank you, as always, for tuning into the Locked On New York Rangers podcast, your team every day. Uh, the Rangers going to be back in action tonight at home against the Red Wings at 7 p.m. And if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, 
please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.